and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We're your hosts, Harold and Rachel. Glad you're joining us today. How you doing, Rachel? I'm doing pretty good. I'm sick of the heat, so hopefully it ends soon. This is a kind of like take two for us on this podcast episode. We we started yes. yesterday to record. My internet went down, so we were talking and kind of shooting the bull for for a little while, and we were just getting ready to start, and the internet went down. So we yeah. up, retry again tomorrow. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> take two. Thankfully, so probably, it didn't end before when we were in the middle of it because it's, right, it's really right. hard so, to start over. Yeah. So this episode is actually going to come out a little late than what we've been posting. But, you know, hey, that's all right. Because uh, we had to kind of these things happen, you know, and we don't really work ahead too often. I mean, sometimes we'll get one or two ahead and then we'll kind of let them fall behind and we'll be like right up to date again. So we don't uh, yeah. work too far ahead. But uh, anyway, what's going on on your homestead? Oh, tomatoes, 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 lots of tomatoes. And uh, that. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're a couple of weeks behind you up here and um, the tomatoes are just starting to come on and they're coming fast. Like we had the last mm, four days have been very hot, even for anywhere else they're hot. So it's not just Northern Michigan hot. We're talking, it was like 96, 97 degrees. So the tomatoes got ripe really quick. Yeah. So I have lots of those and I've been dehydrating lots of herbs and um, trying to find things to do with all of the carrots. Carrots, huh? I have so many carrots. I think I'm going to try to dehydrate some. I've never do, done do carrots. You store, do you just store? Have you ever just tried storing them just raw? I mean, yeah. just like in sand or anything like that? Or what do you do? Not in sand, but I've stored them in my extra refrigerator. Okay. Yeah. And they store several months. It's just I just don't have room for the I, amount yeah, of I've carrots. Seen, I've seen a person had a root cellar. They had a root cellar and they were storing them in sand and they were holding yeah. them really well, like several months and they were pulling them out. And every once in a while they pull out one that would look like it was a little bit, you know, yeah. um, past, past a due, but, uh, every, but most of them looked really, really good. I look forward to the day I have a root cellar. Yes. <laughs> I like well, the I've, dream. Reading, I've got a couple books on, I've read on them. I think about it. And then I go, do I really want to go dig in a root cellar? I don't know. I'd love to have one, though. I would. Yeah, I have a basement. Super which, handy. Which I have a basement that I think I, and I was even talking about that at one time. And I still think I'm. It, it's very uh, likely that I could do that. One side of it almost looks like it used to be a root cellar. It's got like an door oh. on it, but it was like old school. It wasn't really, it doesn't really have any fans or anything. Like I, I, would, I would want to get some air circulation in there a little yeah. bit better and things. Yeah. But the way it's designed, it almost looked like maybe when they built the home like a hundred years ago, like it was used that for that. Um, but then since it just got turned into storage and it just, you know, but I, I think I, like I said, I have a couple of books and I was doing some study on it here a while back. And I thought, man, I, I think if I got some, you know, like a small, like I've, I've seen, some seen people think like a, almost like a computer fan and run some, you know, have yeah. some aeration kind of very mildly flowing through and the way you store things and put some shelves and stuff down there. And I think, I think I could turn it, turn it into a, uh, yeah, I've seen people do that in a corner of their basement. If, yeah. if we were going to stay here, our plans were to turn a corner of our basement into one. Yeah. But yeah, they're super nice because you can keep things, you know, they, especially carrots and potatoes and apples, those kind of things can keep for a really long time if you have the right humidity and temperature. Yeah, and they that don't, key is the humidity yeah. and the temperature. And it's just, you yeah. got, and temperature usually in a big issue in a basement, but humidity can be. And, yes. uh, and with mine, it is, I mean, cause we don't, it's not really a living basement, you know, it's just kind of like place to go work on the pipes pretty much. So, okay. uh, you know, it needs a lot of, up, 
grading to get it in a position really for that. You know, I used to grow food down there. I used to grow lettuce and some grow beds down there, but it's not really great for storing food, you know? Yeah. But I do want to. uh, I'm sure with modern technology, you could do it pretty easy. I mean, like computer fans and a dehumidifier and for sure. Put some insulation in the walls to keep Mm -hmm. that area a little bit cooler than the house. And yeah, it's It's definitely one of them uh, things on the list of things I'd like to do around here. That's what always surprised me. People just don't really understand when everybody always thinks about, you know, I live in town and, you know, there's not so much stuff I can't do. There's so much stuff I haven't even done yet in town. You know, I living know. in an urban homestead. I mean, there's still sections of my property that, that I could do things on that I have aren't I ain't doing right? things in my house. I could do things with that I haven't. I you know, there's so many projects left to do still on this, urban, and I've been doing it for years, and I still haven't got to some of the things I could be doing. And yeah, and your property is so beautiful and so full from the pictures. It's, it, it's from the pictures. I zoom in, and that's why I say. <laughs> That's why at the end of every podcast, I say, grow where you're planted, because you can do so much um, in such a small area. It is amazing. And like I said, it's still amazing how much I could be doing that I'm not even yeah. doing yet. I mean, it's- before I started growing anything, I mean, I started growing stuff, but before I started growing things in quantity enough to can, I just started going to farmers and getting stuff. I didn't yeah. grow it myself. I mean, yeah. And that's a form of homesteading. And, yeah. and slowly we've built the garden and figured out how to grow enough to can. And, Absolutely. you know, you can do so much, even yeah. in an apartment. It's amazing what you can do. Well, yep. unless we turn this into a podcast episode on urban homesteading, we'll go on to what yeah. I'm doing around my homestead. And it's been a lot of uh, fall cleaning and organizing, you know, about two or three times a year, I feel like everything just gets totally so out of whack. I can't find any of my tools. I can't, yes. things just get crazy. And it's like, now it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually restoring an old golf cart. We got this old golf cart gave to us. I mean, it's a, like 1987, but those are kind of cool, you know, and I've been kind of going through and restoring it, but like, I can't find half my tools. And it's like, I ain't got room to work on things. I'm like, okay, before I really get deep into that project, I really need to clean this barn. So I've been putting things up and moving things around and getting things right again. And it seems like I do that two or three times a year and then stuff just starts getting crazy again. But I know no matter how hard you try, it just gets. Yeah. It seems like every fall you kind of got to do that too, you know, and uh, before winter, because I want everything kind of, because you're going to be, I'm going to be in the barn working a lot in the winter. So I definitely want it like really organized, really clean, because I'm going to be in there a lot working through the wintertime. So I want it, you know, so I, it's always about this time of the year. I'm kind of trying to get everything kind of back in order, but uh, also here. doing some pond cleanup outside too. I had so the pond was getting out of hand and I usually do that in the spring and then I'll do it kind of in the fall, you know, and because that little backyard ponds are great. They're beautiful. They're fun. They even have a lot of benefit for a homestead, but man, can they get nasty <laughs> if you don't take care of them. So, so a couple get, like, times lots a year. Of- sediment and algae oh, yeah, sediment and you know the you know, the course the fish waste there's fish in there and there's things going on there and then a lot of leaves land in there and sink to the bottom and you know just things okay. happen and, and then i got to clean the filters and i try to clean out because it, it has a little bit of a waterfall so i clean out that and you know just get everything cleaned up because it starts getting pretty nasty so usually there's a big cleanup in the spring and a big cleanup in early fall and uh yeah nice that. but you have you just take that water and then put that out on your garden then yeah, I'll just, yep, I'll spray it's a nice it out fertilizer the beds right there. And, yeah, I'll just empty it out on all the beds and everything, get it all cleaned out. I won't empty it out 100% because I actually won't even take out the fish. And then I okay. have like a, 
tool that I can like, like suck all the stuff off the bottom with without pulling the water out. You know, kind of like a fish tank thing, yeah. clean, but it's bigger for ponds. And I'll clean, I'll suck all that out of there. And then like I said, I'll do a kind of a water change, about probably 75% water change um, on it. And then just clean, you know, just clean all the stuff up. It's just kind of a project, but it's not a pleasant project. There, it's surprisingly, the pond won't look that bad. But then when you start pulling some of that sludge and some of that nastiness out of there, there's an odor to that that's definitely not oh, pleasant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's I know rough. our I know our pond that is not a homemade pond gets that funk. Yeah. Yeah, it will. <laughs> It'll get pretty nasty. So, yeah, it's clean up. And my grandson has been filling it with, you know, I used to just keep goldfish in it and stuff and koi and things like that. But now he's getting into this netting thing where he goes out nets, you know, and he likes to catch. Oh, all okay, yeah. He'll catch these little chub minnows. He'll catch crawdads. He'll catch snails and frogs and whatever he can catch. And he brings it all here and throws it in that pond. Oh, <laughs> so boy. it's got it's got quite the diversification of of life in it now, uh, unlike before. So and that's cool. I let, it's let him have his fun. I think it's great. He's teaching that me how cool. to be a six year old kid again, and I love it. So it's all good. So anyway, that sounds fun. Yeah, and he happened to be here uh, uh, yesterday or a couple days ago when I was cleaning it out, when I started cleaning it out, and he still, he was dipping some of the stuff out and having a good old time with that, but I don't know, (laughs) whatever, he's having a good time, so I don't care, but yeah, and also dehydrating the goji berries, like everything has pretty much ran its course on the berries except for goji, now it's time for the gojis to Ah, start making their show of things, it's about the time of the year they really get really good and ripe, but they're horrible tasting raw. So I don't like them. Yeah, at all. that's what I've heard. Yeah, they're horrible. Like I'll put them in a smoothie or something raw because you can't really taste them in that. But but they're but they're great dehydrated. I don't know what it is. You turn them into a little goji raisin, and they have a flavor that's just great. It just concentrates the sugars in it or something. I don't know what it does. Okay. But it changes the the flavor profile quite a bit, and it makes them really good. Where I'll eat a handful of them or here and there, you know. And so I've got a ton of them in the dehydrator right now dehydrating and probably run a whole nother batch or two through there before it's over because there's a lot of those um and the only thing i enjoy about the goji <laughs> mine still are not that. producing so are they going crazy your goji i didn't know you had goji i do i have two small bushes i put them out at the homestead but it's been just mm. kind of dry for a couple of summers yeah. and i think that's why they're making it but not thriving where mine are, they catch a lot of the runoff. I actually have a rain barrel setting right there, but then the rain barrel gets full and overflows and goes okay, so they're right where they're at. So water. they get quite a bit of water there. And uh, yeah, they're doing pretty Maybe pretty I'll good. have to move them closer to a pond where they get more I've, water. I don't. I've tried to eradicate them a couple of times, but it's pretty difficult, to be honest with you, because the little bit of value I get out of them. I mean, I do enjoy the dehydrated right. gojis, but honestly, it's the one thing I kind of wish I probably wouldn't have planted on my property. <laughs> Or uh, definitely not where I planted them anyway. But even if you planted them, I mean, anywhere, they get massive and just. See, mine are still just not doing they, great. So I'm take, hoping. They can take over a space, like quite okay. a big space, too. It's pretty amazing. Maybe you just need, well, you've tried to move it already. I think you told me that. Well, I've, I've, uh, like, I've taken a bunch, like, I've dug up, like, they spread, you know, through the roots and, and um, I'll dig them up and I'll pot them and I've gave them to people and, you know, and, and I have moved them a couple places and, I was, this is about the time I really started figuring out that I didn't want them anymore. So I actually did manage to dig them up. I mean, if, honestly, if I was mowing there all the time, of course it would kill them. So where I put them was a place I could just mow if I didn't want them there. And that worked, you know, it killed them. But uh, where they're at, they're kind of right, right up against my house. 
which was a very bad idea on the south side. And they get um, picky yeah. too. Oh, they're, I mean, the thorns. Uh, what yeah. was it? Somebody told me that they call that the, um, I figure there's something about the, I forget the term, but they said it, it's kind of one of them bushes that you plant under your daughter's window. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Outer boy like from rose bushes in. and stuff. Yeah. 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 So, because they say, because man, these things got some thorns on them that are just they not do. very forgiving. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll poke you and cut you pretty good getting in there. That's well, why I say I if like they get really big dry. and bushy. It's actually hard to get to the berries without poking yourself because they get so thick. And uh, yeah, they're not a pleasant plant. I don't really like them. I mean, in permaculture, I hear people talking about them all the time. Like, oh yeah, they're they're ber- very prolific, but they're just not great raw. You have to really dehydrate them to use them. They're considered a superfood. You know, they are. They got a lot of vitamins in them and minerals but, uh, and stuff. I don't know. I just, it's not been one, especially on an urban homestead. It's not been one that I would plant again for sure. But huh. yeah. So anyway, that's been what's going on here. I, like I said, I've done away with probably 75% of my garden at this point already. Wow. And uh, put my beds to bed. So you're further ahead than me and we have frost soon. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, weeds, I got so fed up with the weeds that, with a lot of the beds. And I was just like, okay, I'm done with you and I'm done with you and I'm done with you. <laughs> I just started taking stuff out. And uh, I mean, I left a lot of stuff just to kind of munch on, you know, but the canning stuff is pretty much over, except for probably the the winter squash. You know, I got yeah, some. I'm ready to go for through. it to be done. Other, Yeah, I'm yeah, ready. So, <laughs> me too. I mean, I love the garden, but it, it really got yeah. out of control for me. I don't know what it was. The weather was just like the perfect storm for weeds this year or something. I don't know. Weeds were, I couldn't stay on top of it. It, it, it was so bad I'm that too. I'm actually considering next year not doing the mulch thing and instead doing the landscape fabric and then just burning the holes in it and planting my plants. I'm actually buying some landscape fabric, at least for a part of my garden. Cause I, I already did do what I did this year, but I was, I, I've also was busier this year than I've ever been with projects and work. And what I did was I actually already put it down over all my raised beds. I have the raised beds are beside the house. I actually covered them with the landscape fabric and I'm just going to let them kind of, I actually filled them full of, just biomass, like comfrey leaves and just other biomass. Okay. I filled them. And then I put the landscape fabric over the top of it and kind of sealed it in for the winter just so that stuff can really break down because water will go through that. But, you know, it'll really break that down. I'm hoping maybe just the heat and the um, right. lack of sunlight will maybe do away with some of the weed seeds, too. And um, let that really set under that biomass all winter and uh, probably doing the same thing with. I don't know. I'm just going to make some decisions because I. I've never had weeds as bad as I had them this year. It got well, really out of control. The problem is, is we are both so busy working and stuff. It's really hard to keep up with it all. I don't like yeah. the way it looks. Right. But it is really hard to keep up with it all. Well, folks are probably wondering what our topic is if they didn't see it in the, when they clicked on the, the listen to the podcast. But today we're going to talk about homesteading and responsible preparedness um, I, we figured it was a good time because, well, September is National Preparedness Month, according to Ready, Ready.gov, your government agency that promotes actual preparedness, right? You think sometimes I think people get the idea that, um, especially those folks are totally anti government, and maybe I border on that, right? So <laughs> I won't say too much bad about that, but. They're not all against you being somewhat prepared, right? They're, they have a whole website yeah, dedicated. They do preparedness because there's just this level of common sense preparedness. 
Um, it's not about building bunkers. It's, it's not right. about, you know, yeah. uh, building Faraday cages around all your electronic devices. It's, it's not like that kind of preparedness. It's just common sense preparedness. It's what I consider being responsible, uh, being a responsible homesteader. And, and today we're going to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about some of the things that you and I both feel are like just responsible preparedness, things you should kind of concentrate on and, and have a focus on in your, on your homestead, uh, and for your family that are just, I feel like common sense, you know, a hundred, 200 years ago, it's just what people did because they wanted to survive through the winter or they wanted to survive through any kind of a, you know, a event or anything. Now people think you're being out of control or something. You're some kind of prepper. If you do some of these things, which they're just, they're just common sense things, I think. And, um, yeah. and then we're going to talk about some of those things today. Well, but. I think that too. And then I took a class at, um, a homestead conference I went to about, you know, homestead safety and first aid and stuff like that. And one of the things that they started with was the statistics for homestead and farm accidents. And for the most part, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't get reported as an accident because us homesteaders just fix it ourselves. But of the accidents that happen, they're pretty significant. Like there's a lot of accidents where you, on and get back to work. Huh? Right. Yeah. But there's accidents where people get run over by tractors or, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. just horrible stuff. And um, I think it's really prudent to be yeah, a little so bit that- prepared. And then we also have had, I mean, Hawaii just had a fire. We had someone you had, we, you, we had an interview person that was. Mm-hmm. actually affected by that that's that was yeah. on the podcast i've been following some of his stuff on on uh, instagram and he's it, it really got a big portion of that of that homestead or that farm and yeah. all around him all right and they're just helping people they're just trying to help people i mean there's so many people yeah. just out of their homes and 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 can't get food and, and their their mm-hmm. farm is really reaching out and i i sent that out in the newsletter a while back just because i was saw it yeah out. and uh yeah i mean yeah and and, and that just opened your eyes to the the real potential i mean you look at the smoke that was coming down from camden you know so there's homesteads up there greatly that was affecting us here Yeah, but there's people probably to leave their homes because it was so bad and and just from forest fires and stuff and and then you think about earthquakes you think about tornadoes you think about hurricanes and and you just think about all the things your floods and and just it doesn't have to be these you know well and even just three events you know yeah even just your own personal, I mean, I, I had to end up with a family emergency where I ended up having to leave my home very quickly to be at the hospital very quickly in a very short amount of time. And, um, so it just pays to be prepared and, and we're just, we're going to talk about that today. And some of the things that you can do to maybe not be the doomsday prepper, but make your life a little bit easier and be more prepared. Yeah, just expand on that a little bit. Yes, yeah, sickness happens, and you know you, you might be able to not be able to go to work, or you might lose a job, and yeah. you, you know it's hard to buy you know food and the things you need if you don't have them stocked up. You know when you ain't got money, so you know. Yeah. And and I look at my own situation. You know, I was off work for several months, you know, years ago with cancer treatment because I had cancer. Mm-hmm. I had to go through a surgery. I couldn't work for a couple months. You know, while I was healing, and had we not had a lot of food put back, and even money in the bank, and some things going on there that there was a level of preparedness there that right. helped us get through that. And, and, and that was just a couple months, but it's amazing how fast you can burn through things in a couple months, even, you know? Um, yeah. So you just, well, don't and we're not that far, 
we're not that far removed from the pandemic where a bunch yeah. of people were left at home on, you know, yeah. financially, it was a struggle for many people. Um, myself, I went through, and this wasn't even during the pandemic. It was actually before, but I went through, I take thyroid medication and my medication for over a year was hard to get. And, um, yeah, you know, just having thought that through and it's just really important. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what didn't make our list. I want to kind of mention it here right off the bat though. Having things is not just being prepared. You physically being prepared. That reminded me. Yeah. Be as healthy as you can too, because, um, and I know there's just some things you can't control, like your your situations. You kind of, uh, you know, autoimmune diseases. These are things you really can't do anything about. But but there's still a level of fitness. You know, mm, diet that, plays a role. And I mean, if I was eating, yeah, junk, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, you know, just being as fit as you can be and as healthy as you can be can certainly. Help yeah. is it's a it's just a level of responsible preparedness, right? So try to work on that's just something every every one of us should be working on is trying to be as healthy as we can be. Because when I went down, that was the case. I was eating horribly. It wasn't exercise, I was doing things, and you know, it led to cancer, which led us into a crisis, you know, in our life. So yeah, just being healthy or just being as healthy as you can can greatly reduce even the need for for being prepared if if you're getting that situation or make it easier to get through if you are healthy. Um yeah. For sure. I see these people that, you know, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm careful about how I say this because I don't, man, everybody has their own struggles. We all have our, our health and fitness struggles, right? But I mean, I've just seen this before and I've seen these people who are promoting, you know, prepping and they're big on guns and they're big, big on buying the food and shoving it under their bed and doing all these things. Right. And because they're thinking it's more like World War Three into the World Cut type scenario, but they weigh 450 pounds. And I'm mm -hmm. like, um, there's a lot of things that'll take you out quicker, you know, in that area yeah. than what you're talking about. And, and it's just, you know, and I feel for him. It's like, you know, that, that there's a level of preparedness. You, if you think that that's a possibility so much that you're doing what you're doing in your life, then you ought to be getting yourself in shape for that because that's yeah. not going to help you in that kind of scenario, you know? Um, yeah. But again, even just being able to that. walk, right. You know, Walk and move is huge, which homesteading is a huge help with that. I mean, it definitely keeps you in shape if you're pushing wheelbarrows around and moving dirt yep. around. But yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just jump into it here. I think when we think about preparedness, one of the first things, you have, what do you think? You take, what does it take to live, right? I mean, basic necessities of life. And the number one thing, I guess, other than air to breathe would be water, right? You need water. Yeah. And so water storage is really important. Um, If you're situation and you don't know what that situation might be leads you to not be able to access water or access good water you should yeah, have water clean water is clean huge, water yeah. is important so having water put up is important and you you have a few suggestions on here you, you put know, in as far I, as storing it to be honest we don't store a ton because we're on a well and you but, have a lake um, beside you too. That you and we have a lake. Purify yes. if you had to. <laughs> yeah. But um, we, I do have some though, because there's been yeah. times here where the, we get a snowstorm and the power's out for a little bit. So I use a lot of vinegar for either canning or cleaning or laundry. And um, I save those jugs because they're nice and thick. And yeah. I just fill them back up with water. If um, you know people who drink a lot of soda too, the two liter bottles for like put like soda yeah. and stuff in are really stout and they make good water. Right. Well, but if you so. go to the store and you buy like your gallon of water, that is going to, I've actually 
done that with distilled water before and the jug just deteriorates so yeah. quick and then you have a mess they're so I had thin, it under so a kit uh, too hard they'll pop i mean i've done that yeah, yeah. i had mine under a bathroom cabinet because we kind of try to keep a gallon in each of the bathrooms just so you can flush in case of an emergency or whatever and um it just made a huge mess under the cabinet so yeah. now i i do the vinegar or the pop bottles if you can find them because we don't drink pop so it's kind of hard to right but yeah so that's what you know, and then I having a water filter and, yeah, um, and I, you know, I started out with a Berkey and I still have the Berkey canister, but I actually put the yeah. pure pour, is a poor pure or pure pour, whatever those filters, they actually they changed, changed the name, the name of it. They did so change I, the name and I've actually got yeah. those filters in it now because I think they're a little bit better of a filter than a Berkey filter. So I've actually put those yeah. in the Berkey and, but you actually suggested, and I had never heard of this w- water pitcher that you put on here and I went and checked it out. I clicked on the link. And it's very it out, good. And, it is very good. I was watching. I was watching some videos about it. Actually, it yeah. ran me down a whole little uh, rabbit trail, and I started looking into this. and I think we're going to pick us up one of these because it's really affordable. And okay, um, I'll give you a hint, and I'll give everybody else a hint. So this, it's called the Zero Water Pitcher, and you can buy them. You can get them on Amazon. I probably at Walmart. I have found several at thrift stores. Mm. I actually bought my mom. Two. I bought her a pitcher and then I bought her a bigger one that holds more at thrift stores. And then you just buy the filter, but they, they actually filter really, they filter water really, really well. And it's affordable way. Yeah, You don't have three or $400 for, you know, one of the expensive stainless steel, either a Berkey. Berkey is still better than no filtration system. I just prefer, we're going to have to look it up. Yeah, my, it, it used to be the poor pure, but I don't know what it's called now. It is. I think if you search <laughs> that, still bring up the new what it's called now. But um, um, yeah, we used to when I worked at the doctor's office. It's called Pro One. Pro One. Now you're right. Yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. I just looked it up. So Pro One, and um, but if though you know they're expensive. There's a they are. They're there's a expensive. big barrier to entry. But if you have. 50 bucks, you can go buy a zero water pitcher and a couple extra filters. And I was looking at, uh, there was people testing the water coming out of these versus a, uh, like it was a, the Brita uh, filters. And it was way better. I mean, these little zero water pitchers, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like it took out most everything where uh, yeah. Brita didn't. So, I mean, I, very good recommendation there. I thought yeah. So look good. at your local thrift store. Yeah. If you might be able to find the pitcher itself. We actually, the last time I went, I actually found sealed a box of filters sealed and everything. They'd never been wow. used. And I bought those. And I like it too, because um, you can set that whole thing inside your refrigerator yeah. and have cold water where like with my Berkey, it's like, I don't get cold water. It's out there at room temperature. So, right. you know, yeah. Um, I did like that too. I thought that was kind of cool, but how, how big was that? Was like a, was that like a, maybe a three gallon or something? I can't remember what the size was. I looked at they it. They have a bunch of different sizes. And if you don't like plastic, they actually do have a glass one that really? you can buy for the, zero those zero water pitcher they have a glass one that's actually really pretty but it it sits out on your counter um and i don't make any money or anything off of that advertising i just like them (laughs) and the other thing you can do is have just um some filter tablets especially if you're going to be drinking like i don't know if you get desperate enough to drink pond water Well, obviously filter it and you might need to use some filter, some water tablets. And and, and people might think, well, I live next to a lake or I live next to a river yeah. or, you know, or I have well water. So I always have access to some water. Well, think about 
recently things like a, a train maybe derailing and dumping chemicals into the water systems and you not be able to use that water have actual water stored that doesn't come from maybe one of them sources because maybe you don't have access to those water yeah. sources you know so um think outside the box a little bit on that and have actually some extra <clears throat> options there it maybe can it happen be, yeah it's like i have a pond you know if i have to drink water i could purify the water out of our pond i have rainwater barrels you know that i mostly use for watering gardens but you know that storage i mean we have i don't know a few hundred gallons of water storage you know i use right. water gardens, but that's there if we had to drink it we could purify it, run it through the you know my pro one system now i guess i'll call it a berkey and and you know filter it and drink it if i have to um i mean there's things you can do but also just run some of that water in some jugs ahead of time and just store it you yeah know, well it, and and here's the deal too like we have a local school here that uh years ago there was a tire fire and they used a bunch of that I think it's that foam that they used to use to put out fires. So there was a huge tire fire and they had to use all that foam. Well, now that foam has leached down into the groundwater and we have two subdivisions and a school elementary school here that the water is all contaminated with that. And, um, and the other problem with this is often you find out after you've been drinking it for a while. So it might be a good idea to start filtering it now. And, and, just quite simply, if you are on a well and the power goes out, I mean, yeah, you might have a generator yeah. you can run the pump with or whatever, still get water. But if you don't, you know, just having some water put up. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a kind of a no brainer to at least put a few gallons yeah. of water up. But, you know, as much as you might need it really for maybe three days or something, you know, I mean, you really think ahead a little bit, try to have enough water on hand to at least. Yeah. If, get you, if you go camping at all, days. you realize just how much water you There's go through. Cleaning things and <laughs> yes. drinking, of course, and cooking and just all the things you need water for. Yeah, so. It's a couple of gallons a day per person, I would guess would minimum Maybe, yeah, <laughs> Just, that, yeah and that would minimum. be being really really yeah. spartan with it <laughs> right right yeah. so that was kind of the first thing because I just think it's probably the most important thing, right? Yeah. The, the water storage. And and something just most homesteaders practice already. And if you're a good homesteader, you're going to do this. That's food storage. You're going to put yeah. food up. You're going to grow your food. You're going to put it up. But really try to think, what do we eat? What would it take to survive? Put that food up because you're not growing everything. So you might want to pick some things up that you're going to need that you're not growing. You might need some flour and some sugar and some things to yeah. stock up on those things because – those are things you're gonna you're gonna need if you don't have access to to be able to purchase food. Now, people are like, oh, that could never happen. Well, the reality is, we've seen in some places that happened. We've seen bare yeah. uh, shelves on the stores not so long ago. So, I mean, it's yeah, not person, out of the realms of possibility. Yeah, and as a person with dietary restrictions, we had yeah. some real issues getting some things because it was really hard. I don't know why, but for right. some reason. I personally never, I would always just, we would always just, you know, we'd have a few things we'd buy, but we still just mostly canned our food and put that up. We didn't really buy anything to put up much, uh, a few things, like I said, those, those staples that we don't grow or whatever, we'd have some of that put up. But after that happened and the store shelves were bare, I actually, I mean, I went a little doomsday prepper and we actually bought some of the freeze dried meals and we bought some of the buckets of freeze dried meals just to keep, you know, because those things I mean, I don't know. It's decades. Some of that stuff will yeah, last. They'll last forever. And and you ever. know what? I thought we just put that back and that's just, that's just extra security. And it's something I don't have to think about. You know, we still put up our same yeah. amount of our canned stuff, but if it ever went beyond what I could 
you know, have stored yeah. in that, we have that in an emergency. Or, or if it gets like that and you say got neighbors or friends or family that don't have food, you don't have to give them what you've put up, you could pass that out. And so it's good to have that for yeah. even other people that right. are in that situation who weren't responsible. So it's just something I think about now that maybe I didn't even think about a f- five years ago. I wasn't even thinking about that. You know? Right. Well, one and of the I reasons, do. one of the reasons I do like, um, dehydrated meals, freeze-dried meals, and actually tin, what they used to call it tinned food. So tinned food, food in tins or cans from is they don't break. They're so portable. Where if my glass jars um break easily. So it's just nice for them to be portable. Now you can get like uh we actually keep um the foil packets of like chicken and tuna in our cars. Mm-hmm. Well, in my car bag, which yep. I know sounds preppery, but it's not because not yeah. when we had our family emergency, I knew that that bag was in my car. So I all think- I had to do yeah. was get in my car and go. And I had food that was something that I could eat because I can't plan on there being food I can eat with my food allergies. We'll, we'll get to we'll get to the, yep. the food the storage on the uh, for a uh, bug out stuff in a little bit or right. Or, yeah, or, we will. Yeah, but it is something that it sounds those, it sounds yeah, especially if you live in an earthquake. It's not. it's not, but if you live in an earthquake area, you might want to think about having things that aren't going to break when. It's a good good tip. Yeah, I like with, how you put in the yeah. show notes. Don't forget treats too. I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> it is nice to have a treat, isn't it? Especially you don't want to just eat beans and rice. I think, I think especially if you have kids, because, you know, especially when you think about a, a situation like that, if things got to where you were, you, you know, we we're in a bad situation and, and, and I mean, kids, kids need a break from that and a treat or something could definitely, you know, something snackery, you know, that they could just kind of get their mind, have yeah. a little bit of normalcy in their life in a situation maybe where, you know, um, you're having to rely on your food storage, you know, kids need a break from that. The realities of that, I think a little bit and, and uh, man, it's something as simple as a tree could do that for them, you know? Yep. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and just being prepared and having, having water and having food, depending on what the crisis is you're dealing with can, you know, that when that's out of the way and you don't have to worry about that, because that's the thing that would obviously be most on your mind if you didn't have those things. Well, now you can actually start thinking about those other critical aspects of the emergency response that you're dealing with because get those out of the way. Okay. We got that. We don't have to worry about that, but what are we actually dealing with here? Now we can focus on that. And I think that could be critical (laughs) depending on what your situation is to have that out of the way. So yeah, food storage, water storage, biggies. If you're a homesteader, you're probably, at least yeah, you probably are. Food storage and probably the water storage as well. Um, this is something that you have a huge heart for this next thing. And, and I do too, but I think you really see the importance of it because the things you've dealt with medical preparedness. Yeah. And I, it, and I think it's, you're absolutely right. I think it's something that probably we don't put enough focus on as homesteaders. Maybe some do, but maybe some don't. And, um, and if maybe you do, it's because you waited till it was too late to figure out how really important it was, or you, maybe you've just heard somebody else dealing with something and now you're focusing on it, but it's huge. It, and, and it can, it can definitely save your life. Um, it can. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to be a homesteader for this to be appropriate. I mean, but accidents on the homestead, you are more likely to have an accident on your farm or homestead than somebody that 
doesn't have one just because of the nature of how it works. You're using tools, you're using yeah. a tractor. Well, it's always been said that yeah. most accidents happen at home, but for a homesteader, it's even more the case because we're, like you said, we're dealing with a lot of equipment, tools, and things that that there's a risk to using them, you know. So you have, to yeah. Play. And I mean, I am, st- I have huge holes in my training. I do not have the training that I would like to have, but I, I'm working on it, and I think that that's important. I mean, basic first aid, CPR, um, yeah. you can get those at just your local what is it red cross or sometimes they they have lots of events they and your kids can do it too don't leave them out i mean they have babysitting courses that kids can take that that yeah. include all of this and um i just i just think it's really important to be able yeah, to think- treat someone until help gets there no know, know how to treat a wound dress a wound know how to do cpr know how to you know handle somebody who has had a major injury too, because you can actually cause worse injuries if you don't know how to handle people. Right. So yeah, good training and then having the, the things on hand, a good yeah. medical kit, all the things you need, super important, you know, and also just being a homesteader, you were, we're talking about things on the homestead that can cause accidents. Falling is huge. Like, yeah. you know, um, um, just getting cut is huge. Dealing with livestock can you can get hurt really bad dealing with livestock. Was yeah. it Justin Rhodes got he broke his nose? Broke his nose broke here recently by he got headbutted cow. by one of his milk cows. Yeah, I mean, just I have a friend happen. that had to have. She's got. Um, I don't think they have this many anymore, but they used to have like up to five hundred head of cattle, and she ended up with knee surgery after a cow ran her into fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it. They can hurt you. Uh, hogs. Yeah. I mean, we had a neighbor when I was growing up and he got attacked by a hog and it literally ripped his kneecap out. Oh and, my. Uh, and, you know, he's just, they were older couple too. I mean, you know, they were quite a bit older than my parents and, and, you know, his wife's trying to help him and get him out of there. I mean, it was, it was kind of a mess and yeah, he, he ended up losing the bottom half of his leg over oh my it. Word. Yeah. Wow. And so, I mean, livestock and you can definitely get hurt. So you need yeah, to especially, have. Yeah. Which yeah. brings me to you know, also just having other people around is important. You know, something like that. You could, you could lose his life if, if you didn't have other people around <clears> to help. Um, so, I mean, you're just being prepared, thinking ahead, knowing it's a possibility is huge. And yeah. just just knowing those things exist and, and not not be delusional and think, oh, it can never happen to me because it can absolutely happen to you. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, Absolutely. and have plans in, in place. Yeah. I don't know if you have, it depends on where you live. Obviously there's places mm-hmm. that some people live that they don't even have great cell phone coverage. So maybe they can't rely on their cell phone and they need to have yeah. a, um, two-way radio, a rate to radio, like radio to call somebody that's home. Right. Home yeah. Say, well, I need an, help. I, yeah. 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 I think communication could be, yeah. could be huge. But with that injuries thing. certainly happen at any home, but Probably more likely if we have a homestead or a- <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, you while back you bought like chainsaw chaps for your husband to prevent injury. I mean, that's a yes. big part too. Medical preparedness is even preventing injuries. So think about how to yeah, prevent like injuries. Glasses, yeah. safety glasses, yeah. and just the safety equipment that goes with mm-hmm. whatever it is that you are using, because there's so many different yeah. tools that you can use. But safety equipment when um I actually bought uh, cut proof gloves for when we're butchering mm-hmm. that I yep. wear. Oh, knife and, cuts or. Oh, yeah. I've done it too many times. And yep. we were butchering a cow. And I knew when you're putting all that so much force trying to cut bigger yep. pieces of meat and stuff like that, you're just more likely mm-hmm. to. So 
I bought um, gloves and I actually bought sleeves that go up my arms. Yeah. Back in, in my early 20s, <laughs> I, I for a short while, I worked as a meat cutter. And uh, yeah, the, <laughs> you can get cut so easy with them sharp knives and doing all the different cuts and just different angles and doing things. It's so easy to not pay attention for one second. And, and you don't even realize because those knives are so sharp. You'll just see the blood before you all overfill anything. And it's like, oh, whoa, yeah, what I yeah. do? And then you just see blood running down your arm, you know, and it's like, oh, yep. man. You know, it just happens so quick and you don't even realize it. So, yep, definitely. Yeah, and ear protection. Don't forget ear protection. Yep, definitely. Yeah, that's something you said you has becoming <laughs> important in your house. So, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. something we have to think about for sure, for sure. Well, then a lot of the, we start getting into the things that people think more about when they start thinking about the big prepper things, you know, like power yeah. backup, right? Everybody's like always about the power backup. And, you know, then that's the funny thing is, though, we lived for how many centuries without power? So, I mean, it's not right. impossible yeah. to live without power, but we've now our homesteads so rely on it because yeah. a lot of our meat and things are in freezers and refrigerators and things. And if we don't want to lose that stuff, we have to keep that stuff going. So you do need a power source to keep those freezers running, to keep you know, your refrigerators running. If it's, you know what, if you're in a situation where it's uh over a hundred degrees, you know, and, and you might need air conditioning. I mean, it just depends yeah. on your fans, at least, you know, if you're not able to get cool, because especially if you're older, you know, older couples and stuff, they, they could, well, that can really hurt you if, if the, whole, the hot weather can. Yeah. And um, a few weeks ago, you had rabbits in. Yes. Your animal, with you. you know, so yeah. um, now I can put them in the tractor and get them in some shade where maybe there's a lot. Sort of, I mean, you can keep them alive, but. They're miserable. I mean, right now it's upper 80s and they're miserable. I mean, they're just right. miserable yeah. looking at them. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, having having a way to keep this stuff running uh, is important. You know, if it's wintertime, yeah, you might be able to take the stuff out of the freezers and put it outside or something, you know, until you get it back in the freezer when the power comes back on. But, you know, have, have some power options. Yeah. Simply, though, uh, before we ever had a generator. I had some really large inverters that I could just click onto the batteries on my car and run my car and run extension cords into the, into the house if I had to. Yeah. And we went eight days without power one time after a yeah. big snowstorm here. And that's what my husband did. Yep. You can absolutely yeah. do it. And you'll use a lot of gas running in your car doing it, but you know, it will keep the freezers cold, you know, yeah, exactly. And it, it'll do the, it'll do the job. So you can do that, but you know, you think about lighting and things. Yeah. Have some, you mentioned in the notes having some no power options. Like we have kerosene lamps that we yeah. can fire up and have some light or candles, have some things like that. But, you know, it's yeah. also good. And I also think even if you have kids and you want to, if you're going to go several days without power, you know, it's, it's nice if you can maybe put a TV on for the kids because they're going to start getting really bored and really yeah. you know, upset. If you have little kids or something, maybe have some ways to do some things for them, have some, power options that they can do you right know? well and depending why your power is out it's really important to be able to charge things for communication yep. being able to charge yeah. your phone so that you can communicate and um having a you know having radio somehow and, and like yeah. we already mentioned earlier if you have a well and you have a well pump you might want to be able to power that pump and yeah. get some water too. Definitely. So well, and especially on a homestead, if you have an your animals are gonna still need food and water regardless. Yep, you're gonna um, be able to water You're gonna have to be able to get water to them. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I you just added into the show notes something. So I, I'll let you talk about that. Oh well, fridge and freezer alarms. Um, we actually lost 
a bunch of food in a freezer that we didn't know was bad. And so now I have a freezer. I have freezer alarms on my in my freezers, and I was just looking to see what the brand name is because they are actually Wi-Fi. Okay. And so if you get a chance, drop a link. Yeah, I will. So they will send. I don't have one of those on my freezer. Yeah, I have I them in my because we have two free, two deep freezers, and I have them in both of them, and it tells me the humidity and the temperature, and it sends me updates, and I don't even have to be home. I could be in. So it'll like send you a text or a message on something. It or? sends me a couple times a day. You can say how many times a day you want updates. Wow. Or you can just go in and check on it, but you'd have to have why your Wi-Fi has to be working or they can yeah. be Bluetooth. So if I don't have Wi-Fi, I could use turn on Bluetooth. If I was using Bluetooth, though, I would have to be home. probably. Yeah. Yeah. But with the Wi-Fi, I can be in Florida and check if my freezers are working. So you can go that on vacation yeah. and you can know if your freezers are working and they aren't necessarily these ones aren't necessarily for the freezer. They can right. you can put them in any room. So you could put them outside of the room and know if a room froze or not. So it's just really, um, after losing several hundred dollars worth of food, I was to me it was worth the, I think it was $40 or something like that. And and honestly, if you live in a place where your power goes out a lot and, uh, for, and for days, yeah. you might consider having a larger unit installed that automatically kicks on when the power goes out too. Because like my parents had yeah. that at one point and I, we, uh, my wife has some family that has that. And uh, now he actually, he's just, this guy, well, actually he's passed now, but a few, several years ago, he installed this system. He went and bought this military generator and it was ran off of like a, like a, a, a straight six engine. I mean, off of, like, oh, wow. I don't even know what it was. That was like a Chevy engine. I believe it was. This thing was huge. I mean, huge. And he put like a, a huge 275 gallon diesel tank attached to this thing. And he fixed it, went through and rebuilt. He bought it real cheap through a military auction and went through and rebuilt the motor and everything, installed this thing on the outside of his pole barn. And this thing would run his entire property. I mean, the barn, the house, everything, kick on automatically. He had it set up to kick on automatically. If the power went out, it was an amazing setup. I don't know how much money he had in it because, like I said, he bought it through a military auction, I think pretty affordably. But he was also an electrician, so he was able to go through and do all the wiring himself and make it work right. So, you know, he saved that cost. But, you know, I don't know. You, you might want to go. We don't lose. Honestly, I live in, in, in town. We don't lose power that yeah. often. And when we do, it's usually just a few hours and it's back up. Um, but if I lived in a place where it was, you know, yeah. pretty regularly going out and for days, I would absolutely consider that as an option. And, and right. you know, try to say it would be that. And also just having solar, that's an option too. You could hook up solar and have a battery backup and run things that way. I mean. There's yeah. a lot of people going that route nowadays. And I think it's a great option, but it's a, it's a power backup or you can have it as your main source, you know, I, whichever. But I still think even if I had solar, I'd want a generator as a backup in that case. Because when yeah, so we have, it's days we have and days and the sun's yeah. not out, you're going to need some way to to still keep right. going. Yeah. Um, so my, it's called Joe V, which I will put a link in the show notes. If I'm saying it correctly, it has it says Joe V and I have two of them. And right now my freezer is 2.8 degrees and 49% humidity. And awesome. I can do that right from my phone, no matter where I'm at. And, and it's nice, even if you don't lose power, if your freezer dies. Yeah. You know, you could be, I mean, could you put those on your refrigerator too? I yeah, assume you, you could know, put, you can get more than one. I mean, you yeah. can get several. 
Yeah. That is that is a great idea. And I think that's a really good idea because I our freezers are actually out in my pole barn. And I don't go, I mean, we literally maybe right. go visit those things twice a week, maybe, you know, and drag stuff into the house. And then we'll put it in the house freezer if we're gonna cook that that week or whatever. And we just don't go out to them every day. Yeah. I mean, nothing could be down right now. And I don't even know because I haven't been in there for a couple of days. Um, we probably smell it before. And yeah, late, and I'm you know? t- yeah, and it's so heartbreaking to lose all oh, of that hard yeah. work. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. A good so idea. that's, that's, that's why it. we got them. I think we need um, to do that ourselves, invest in that. Good idea. Yeah. So the next thing that we have on the list, which you added to the list, which is a really good idea, is a livestock care plan. Yes. Uh, I think especially when you're dealing with certain tragedies like fire, like yeah. floods, like yeah. things like that, hurricanes, things like that. Because a lot of times if you have to get out quick and you don't have a plan for that and you don't have a, something thought and pre pre kind of set up to where you can act quickly, uh, you could lose a lot of livestock. Um, and yeah, I've seen it happen, sure. especially with floods. I've seen that happen a lot with floods. Um, uh, just be prepared for that. Know it's coming. You know, generally these things give you some time. Forest fires are different. Those don't give you a ton of time sometimes. Um, earthquakes, of course, but you know, things like hurricanes, you know, they're coming. So floods, you know, you know, a rain events coming, it has a flood. You can start thinking ahead on a lot of these, these things and, you know, have a plan, have a crates, trailers, place to go with them, have a, a have just an idea of what you're going to do if this happens. So just have a livestock care plan. And I think it's huge. Um, because I don't think that's something people always think about, you know, and, yeah. you know, as homesteaders, sometimes we have a lot of, we have a lot of livestock around and, and that's a big job getting, relocating your livestock can be huge. I mean, that can be a, that can be a big job. And, you know, I, I just think a lot of people aren't prepared. Yeah, for I have that. no idea. I mean, if you're a really big homestead, I don't know if there's much you can do if you have a large herd of cattle, but, right. um, but, but for, if you know, if you have chickens and rabbits, right. And, you know, chickens so and rabbits goats or something you, you can absolutely put a, together a plan to get rid of you know get right. those yeah. you know if you're if you're doing anything on a homestead level versus a farm level say you have a couple pigs and a couple goats and you know a couple dozen chickens and those kind of things you can put together a plan and find a have a relocation plan put together you know yep. have some other homesteaders and you could be you could be the option for them if it happens for their homestead or whatever you know yeah, you guys a- could work together and you know it's it's why again community can be really important i was just gonna say that that's why a community would be huge yeah Yeah. absolutely so because i mean even just barn fires happen just for one single farm absolutely yeah and and just a flood could happen on your you have say you have a creek and running through your property but you know a friend of yours who's a homesteader five miles away doesn't have that your creek can cause a flood on your property that makes it impossible for your livestock to be there where yep. his doesn't, you know, so yeah, just have it as an option, you know, a uh, short-term thing that you could do quickly. And that's something we just don't always think about. So, and then something else I added, the next thing I think is very important because we don't always think about it either, because it's the thing maybe we don't want to think about and that's emergency <laughs> sanitation. Um, yeah. This is a huge one though, because I think yes, this, it is. this, if you're not, if it, Depending on the emergency, and I'm thinking, you know, what's going on in Hawaii or mm-hmm. some of the flooding that you see happen, um, depending on how long a situation goes on, yeah. you end up with sanitation, which then can cause sickness if it's not taken care Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Yeah. And then which can yeah, lead to death. And it does in like a lot of third world countries when it happens, when they have a big thing like an earthquake that happens and they have no access to 
the way you know sanitation yeah it can dinner it, it leads to a lot of death it's usually the number one cause of the death and by the end of it um yeah, yeah. you'll see that being an issue so um yeah it's just super important uh think about you know, what supplies you need to stock up on to meet your basic sanitation needs. And that's to clean you, to clean things like dishes, to clean clothes, right. these things, you know, and, but the thing that we all think of though, when we think of sanitation is the disposal of human waste, right? Cause that's the thing that can definitely lead to some serious disease issues or whatever, if you don't properly yep. dispose of it. Um, so what are you going to do? I mean, you can literally, Honestly, if, if if you live in a place where you have a septic system or and if that's still functioning, but you just don't have water, you can pour water down and make it flush. You can just you yeah. know pour the water down, get it down. If you don't have access to that, if that's not an option, you can shove a trash bag in a toilet and use it if you have to. And then you can put that someplace, put it in a can, wait till things are back to normal, then dispose of it properly. Worst yeah. case scenarios, you could bury it, dump it into a hole and bury it, dig a hole and bury it. I actually like, we actually have a portable toilet. Um, it's like those camping toilets, right? You know, you just, they have like an entire thing. You get the little powder that goes in them. You can use that thing dozens and dozens. You can use it for a couple of days easily. Um, okay. And before you'd have to worry about dumping it. And uh, it, and there's really no smell or anything. You put that little powder in it. They're just for camping. They're, you know, they're a camping toilet. Um, for if you're camp tent camping or whatever, and they were great. I mean, they're they're pretty good size, so you don't feel like you're, you know, you don't feel like you're roughing it or anything. But you can literally put a bucket in a five gallon bucket or a trash bag in a five gallon bucket and do that if you have to or whatever. I mean, there's there's you can compost it if you need to, yeah. yeah. But it is something you want to plan ahead on and have an option there. Um, if it if push comes to shove, because it is something you have to think of. You can't, don't want to just let that stuff pile up in your in your toilet. No, it's, it's an no. Issue and it can cause some yeah. some problems. So have an option there for disposal of that. But also another thing that we don't think about is your trash. Yeah. Your actual solid waste, your your trash. Now, it, nothing will make you start separating your trash quicker than when you don't have a, a way to get rid of it. So you're right. going to start pulling out all the things that can be composted, all the paper, cardboard, all the food products, right. all that yep. stuff going compost. It should be anyway, but still a lot of that still ends up in your trash probably. Um, so you're getting rid of all that and compost that, but that stuff that you can't compost, you're going to have to figure out something you can do with that. And yep. when the trash isn't running, which is a possibility, is it something you can burn? Possibly, you know, generally most stuff that you can burn, you could probably compost. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, we've seen it happen in a couple of big cities in the yeah. past few years is where they stopped pickup and yeah. it becomes a sanitation issue. Yeah, it'll yeah. start piling up on you pretty fast. So you definitely got to split, start doing your dividing up of what is necessarily has to go in there, which honestly, it's depending on what you're idea. using, if you're, if you know, a lot of homesteaders, if you're cutting back on the processed foods to where you're not buying things in plastic, you know. Uh, right. metal, there's still some metal, but you know, you can, st you can store that and, and until a day you could actually get rid of that someplace else. If you have to, it really isn't going to cause an issue in a sanitation way. And then start breaking out, you know, taking out all the compostable materials. You can dang near get down to zero waste. Yeah. We don't have a ton of garbage at our house. Before we used to homestead, we take mm -hmm. out and you was, I had three kids and me and my wife, we take two bags a day. Oh, Wow. Before we started homesteading. But then when we cut back on the 
uh, preserved food, uh, you know, cut back on the the, yeah. the food, processed foods that we're buying from the store and all the stuff. And, you know, the way we were eating everything, I mean, it just greatly reduced the amount of, of trash we had. I mean, now we take out, we still have probably, you know, um, we have babies around, you know. Yeah, uh, you have diapers and stuff. Yeah, we have diapers and things like that, which you, you could get away with that, uh, get away from that if you wanted to, too, but we don't. So there's still issues there. Um, but you know, we'll take out a bag every couple of days now, but it went yeah. from like two a day to every couple of days taking out a bag. So it's, it's quite, quite a difference, right? It's still more than probably we should have. And oh, there's yeah. a lot I of think folks that biggest, their goal is zero, zero, you know? Yeah. I think our biggest issue is boxes. Yeah. As much yeah. as we try yeah. not to buy stuff, we get stuff I, delivered. We get in a boxes, lot of boxes, but I but actually I, started putting those in my compost and in my well, garden. And I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll save them because I do, I do like lasagna gardening. So I'll yep. rip those, ta- I'll take the tape off of those, which, which is cool thing about Amazon. Now they actually have that paper tape that you don't have. Yeah. It's compostable. So you can just cut them and, and we'll stack them. I'll just stack them out here in my barn and save them up for spring. And I'll start doing new lasagna beds and stuff with them. And it works really well. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's one of those things that will fill up a trash can pretty fast if you don't compost yeah. it or use it. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, zero waste should be an you know something we're all aiming yeah. for. But it's not. Re- it's I will say it's, it's hard. It's, hard. it's very <laughs> yeah, hard, it's hard. You know, but there's people who will take out like one bag of trash a year <laughs> and stuff. And it's like more power to you. I think that's awesome, but I don't think it's doable in my life right now. So, but right. it's something you should think about. Have an option there. Now we're getting into the the psycho stuff. The people, you doomsday preppers. What's wrong with you people? You you're you're talking, you're talking like doomsday prepper stuff here because we're going to talk about bug out bags. You got a bug Which out I bag? I kind of already talked about. I do yeah, you because it. I do too. I used yeah. it. Yeah, I have one because um, you know we've had a couple of situations where we've had family emergencies. You know we have elderly parents and um, we've just needed those. And I have specific dietary needs that I can't always get met and I can't plan on getting met. So I've, I have a bag that's ready to go. Let's talk about, let's talk about some of the reasons that bug out bags aren't crazy. (laughs) Okay. Well, some of the things that could happen, family emergency, family emergency, where you have to get out quick and you need your stuff now and you need to go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, a fire fires. Yeah. You know, there's just things going on in the area where you have to bug out back. I mentioned that train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. People to, had to they leave were like, quick. They were saying, get out, get out, get out. Right. Yeah. You, you grab your bags and hit the door. Don't waste time. You, yeah. You what if you can't coming. go back a fire? I mean, what if you can't go back right away? You probably have. And my bug out bag is not huge. Yeah. It's my bug out bag, get home bag. It's I call it my emergency bag. It's not huge. But I have enough food in there for a couple of days. Yeah, I, I think I could probably me. survive three days. Yeah, and I have a change of underclothes. I don't worry too much about changing mm-hmm. my jeans and T-shirt or whatever. And um, usually an extra pair of socks and I keep extra medication in there. I have, um, like, an, I have like an emergency blanket in there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, will, I will keep water in my car separate from my bag. So I'll have like yep. uh, a couple of gallons water. of water I usually keep in the bag. I don't keep it in the bag, but it's in my car. Um, but because for me, I'm tra- I I drive, I work three days a week and I drive like an hour each way. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I have a bag in there because something happens. And I had to hoof it or if just a situation went down kind of locally where I, you're, you're stranded, but I want to get home. Like, I feel like I need to get home. I could hoof it. 
you know, and right. it could be a yeah. day and a half or whatever. To I walk keep tennis shoes in my car. I can do it, you know, and I can yeah. grab my bag and I can start walking. And I mean, it's just, and these sound like crazy scenarios and, or maybe extreme, but they're not unheard of. And, and, and yeah. it can happen. Things it's can happened happen. to me. I have used my bag so many times this year, unfortunately, mostly for bad reasons, because of, we just, we have elderly parents and we i used i lived out of my bag for four days in july because i couldn't i couldn't leave the hospital i had a family emergency and um i lived out of that bag and then i've also had my own if you have a medical issue i it's important to have that bag i had a medical issue in 2021 where i ended up hospitalized and um the bag was actually really important that i had with me so yeah, I actually, you know. I'll find my, like, I got something spilled on me at work one day and had to have a whole change of clothes. I had my bag in my car, so I had to change of clothes with me, you know? I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you should take, just take clothes with you. Well, if you have in your bag, you always have that with you. You just always yeah. have something with you and you always have, for whatever reason, whether it's an emergency or if it was just something as simple as that, you still have it. You know, uh, there was a, um, uh, a guy at work one day and he brought a, can of soup but he's gonna have for lunch but he didn't have a can opener oh. well if you have a you can either have a military style can opener uh, on your knife or you can just have a can opener in your bag i think it's a great thing to have in your bag if you don't have it on your knife you know my knife i have a pocket knife that actually has like an you know oh, kind of okay, pressing yeah. kind and i can walk i opened up his can of soup with that i mean it sounds so basic but it's just things you should have yeah. And there's lists out there. You can do a, like, Oh, there well, is. Yeah. We can actually and, and just drop. Maybe I can find a every link. Situation's gonna be, every situation is going to be different. I mean, for some people, they can go to a vending machine. For me, that's that's sketchy. So yeah. I have to make sure I have food. And I keep like right. the foil, like what I said earlier, I keep the foil packs just because they can freeze. They don't break. They can get squished. Um, I prefer a backpack so I can just put it on my back instead mm-hmm. of a bag that I have to lug. Mine's in a backpack and um yep, me too yep and yeah. i do keep a couple of bottles of water in the pack i told you i kept a couple of gallons yeah. of water in my car but i do keep a couple of bottles of water in the in the in the pack as well um, yeah just and i keep a way to charge my phone which i actually keep that yes. with me always in my purse which in several you like a, situations you have like, a, like a spare battery or a backup or like yeah i have a i had just packs. have an anchor i have an anchor one and it will charge yeah. my cell phone i think two to three times i yeah. actually have a little solar charger okay yeah that's cool that you can actually put on the outside of your backpack and it'll charge a phone or whatever and carry it on your backpack and it will charge your phone while you're walking you'll have to put that in the links because that sounds yeah. cool i actually yeah. have one of them i actually first time i ever bought one is i actually bought it for my bicycle because i'd go biking and i had a little solar charger and i had my phone because i'd listen to music or something but if so i have a little phone holder and i had a solar charger on there and it would actually do really good at keeping my phone pretty charged you know just even while i was listening yeah. to it and stuff. So, it, it, of course, if it was sunny, you know, it's like, no, yeah, I mean, help your sun's not out, but it's an and option. Even, it's not always an option to plug in. I mean, the times that we were, I was at the right. hospital this year, we were in the emergency room for a long time and there really wasn't anywhere to plug in. So it was nice to be able to keep my phone going so I could contact yeah. other people. So, yeah, 
there's, I mean, it's not crazy to have it's not crazy. Yeah. You don't have to call it a bug out bag. You can call it an emergency bag. And and if you have kids and pets, you're going to have, have a bag for everybody. Things. Yep. And have yeah. a bag for everybody. Even the kids have their own little bag. You don't have to have yep. everything in it. Yours has in it, but it should have right. a few things in there. I mean, make it to where they can carry it, obviously. Uh, right. not, not something so heavy, but like a school backpack, you know, just load it with a few things. You're going to carry the bulk, you know, mm-hmm. and let them carry just a few things in there, you know. Um, a light change of clothes and, you know, have their own little water bottle, maybe, right. you know. Well, and then here, up here in northern Michigan, where we get tons and tons and tons of snow, I have been stuck in my car. Yeah. So I always keep the appropriate things for my yeah. car. I mean, I keep boots in my car and a hat. When, and mittens when and- I was you know, driving a truck driver over the road, man, bag went with me in the truck. You know, I mean, just, I had always had a bag yeah. for, you know, like I said, three days at least for the stuff in that bag that I could, if right. I had to get out and hoof it somewhere, I could, you know, cause this I've been stranded. Yeah. I've been stranded due to weather a few times when I was out in the semi, you know, when I used to drive over the road and uh, yeah, I was stranded quite a few times. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't have to be doomsday stuff. Like, I mean, I've said this over and over again, we had the family emergency, the other family members that had to, be at the hospital had no backup batteries, no phone chargers, no change of clothes. Four days. Oh. So that's you know, it just makes your life more comfortable. It's not yeah. a zombie apocalypse thing. This is just planning for bad times and hope that it doesn't happen. <laughs> and we'll, we'll skip this next one. We're going to skip on down to the, the one below it, because I think this one goes along with your bug out bag and that's yeah. having backup paperwork, having things that you could need away from your home with you. And you, you mentioned this one and I think it's really, really important uh, because yeah. if your phone dies or where you drop it in the water and you can't use it anymore, who knows all those phone numbers? Do you do you have them all I memorized? Don't, I don't even. I do not. I don't even know. I know if about I, three if, phone if I had numbers. to call one of, <laughs> if I had to call one of my daughters, I don't think I have their phone numbers memorized, and that's bad. Uh, I will say this too: it's actually getting hard to find a payphone. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's actually getting really difficult. But to find everybody a has a cell phone, and yeah, so, so anyways, I've started keeping. Yeah. I actually have a little black book where I keep phone numbers for all the people that are actually on my phone. And um, I, I, because we have elder parents and stuff, we've started keeping lists of their doctors and their information too. Just I I added a link in this section because I, I started really thinking about when you've added this to the show and so really, well, what, I mean, we have a few things I have like backup phone numbers. It's really the thing I, we have, we have a few phone numbers, right? And I thought, what else should really be there in backup paperwork? Well, I ran across this list from Provident, the ProvidentPrepper.org. They're a good website. Uh, I actually went to their website quite a few times for different things. Um, they have a YouTube channel and they'll go over things. This this article, though, they have a list of the documents they sh- say you should have kind of in an emergency um, backup paperwork. And it's a lot of copies of things. It's like car titles and house decopies oh, wow. of those okay. kind of things. So if you had to retry to get originals back at some, or you can even order originals like second ones, like and get the way they're legit and on some of this stuff. And they're even, they'll go down as far as even old family photographs that couldn't possibly be replaced, you know, have a, at least a, you know, a printed copy of that. Um, it, it, a lot of things, a lot of things. Right. So it's yeah. a good list. So you should really look through that. And, and they even display how to put that in a binder, like how to put it in a binder and store it. Oh, the family it binder. Can, yeah. Yeah. Have it in the binder to where you can take it and grab it and go. 
um, and have all that ready to go. So really good idea. And I thought it was something, I think it's mm-hmm. something you should go look at. So everybody well, you click can, on that link and go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And you can add some things to your phone. Um, mm-hmm. I had, you know, when I had my medical emergency, I didn't have a medical bracelet, which I do now wear a medical bracelet, but I did have in my phone, my medical information yeah. and the emergency crew actually used my phone to mm-hmm. look up some of that information. So Something I think should be in the back, back in the backup paperwork that also goes with the thing we skipped over here, which I'm going to talk about in a second, is have a map and details of where to meet up if you're separated oh, yeah. and something goes down. So you'll have a bug out location, which is the thing we just skipped. Well, we're getting in the weeds here. We're really crazy. Man, now. that really sounds preparation. Bug out but... locations. Where are you going to go? But you know what? Again, I don't think it's crazy having a place to gather, yeah. meet up, to go. No, it's not. I mean, you we've always said from your home. Yeah. Yeah. We've said to our kids before we always had a meetup place. It was one of the neighbors yep. down the street. Yeah. If we if we had a fire and we were we were always like adamant, do not come back in for mom and dad. Just yeah. go out the window and go to the neighbors. Go to this neighbors. Even, we will meet you at this neighbors. Yeah. You could even take that to a little bit, what maybe is extreme. And once your kids grow up and move out, like my kids are scattered, you know, 50, 60 miles apart. And it's like, but if things ever went big on like a statewide level. Yeah. Is there a place where in like maybe a map and and you're hooking them up with something where you could get to it and we could all get together and meet up and be there for one another if things really got crazy, you know? I mean, I I mean that is probably borderline doomsday stuff, but right. is it something as a, as a parent you, you always want to you as always want to meet up man, with your I kids. Be, I want to be there for them if something goes down, you know, it's like know. maybe they don't want me helping them, but I'd like that to be an <laughs> mine option. Mine are thousands of miles away, so I really yeah, don't have I that. I know, and mine yeah. are, you know, mine I got one that's, you know, 70 miles, 60-70 yeah. miles away, so it's like it's tough, you know. It's like but you want to have that as an option for them to be able to get yeah. to you if they needed yeah. to. Now they've got their own line. They're, I mean, that one's married. Well, and, and, and we, I mean, family, but you know, yeah, between that and just a, a way to contact and say, Hey, I'm okay. Yeah. And that's you something know. we didn't even really, we, we didn't, didn't cover. Really it, was communications. it was communications, but yeah. you know, cell phones, you know, will work in, even in text sometimes when they won't work on making a phone call. So you can try a right. text. Yeah. Um, but then beyond that, there are some apps. Uh, I should have put them in the show notes because I know of one. I'm not good at that. That's definitely something I there are, do There not. are apps you can actually build private communities in that will work because sometimes yeah. apps will work when, when the phone won't work. There, I mean, You could actually have a two-way radios that will work for quite a distance. You can get, you can even get CBs that will work for, you know, a few miles, four or five miles. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, you're, you're putting a lot of faith in, and your cell phone, really, at that point. And, but again, yeah. having the phone numbers to where you have to get to a landline to be able to get those communications. But I just don't think a bug out location, though, is crazy because how many times do people get removed from their homes because of a chemical spill or yeah. a fire or smoke or, you know, earthquakes? Or, We've seen you know, it a lot the last few happens. years, unfortunately. Hurricanes, hurricanes happen yeah. and everybody has to leave their homes. I mean, it's you see people, you know. <laughs> doing what coming back to their homes after they've escaped and their homes are tore up, you know, but you know, when these things are coming, you just, you know, or you know what, while you're away, a tornado hit your house, where are you going to go? Yeah. You know, we're in, tor- I'm in tornado country. It happens, you know, people, 
Uh, I mean, I think especially if you live in a trailer park, there's just something about it. They want you. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just like saying magnet, you have a place yes. to go. We actually have, I mean, I think we have a, um, a seasonal camper and we have a camper. We keep at a campground. I kind of think about that. I mean, we think about it as our little vacation spot that we go to a few times a year. Right. But it's wow. somewhere you could go if but something it's also happened a place to your home. We could go and stay if we had to. Yeah. We yeah. live there yeah. if we had to for short term. Yeah. And it know? doesn't have to be like the middle of the woods or something. Right, it could right. be your, your bug out location could be a family members. Yeah, it could just be a house that, you know, yeah. that. that People say, yeah, you could come here if things ever, you know, hit the fan, so to speak. And and yeah, I mean, just have a place, have a place you could go. Again, that's a bigger step if you have livestock and you had to have a place where they could yeah. go as well. That's yeah. kind of like their bug out location, I guess. Right. But have a place where you could go and your family could go. And uh, I just think it's, a, I think it's important. And it's, to me, it's not crazy. I just think. It's no, it's not. And idea. and if, and it's really, it's not that crazy because um, we actually have a government website called ready.gov yeah. that actually talks about these things because during these crises, the emergency staff need to be helping the people that really absolutely need our help right now. And how we can help that be better is if we already have plans in place. So yep. we don't, we aren't the ones that need help. And um, it's just better to be in that position where we don't need help and maybe we can help somebody else. That's kind of always been my thought is I have all this extra food. We during the eight days that we didn't have power during that snowstorm, the neighbors were coming to us because my husband knew how to charge their phones using the batteries that we had in the house. Mm -hmm. And they were just batteries we had for like the tractor and stuff that we took out in the winter and and he used that to charge the neighbor's phones so they could call yeah. family members. And um, that's how a community in a neighborhood is supposed to work. And then they didn't need help. They didn't need to call emergency people in to. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Which that brings us to actually having a few things too. So there's, we got some links in here. I think I'm going to add a few more too of some, just some other yeah, things yeah. maybe you should have on hand, but there are things, I mean, not, it's not just knowledge. But there's actually some things you might want to have, like a weather radio, right? You want something mm -hmm. that you can get information because these emergency radios are not only just they'll have emergency information, weather information, these kind of things that are going out across them. This is important if all communications kind of down. If you don't have TV and, you know, right. and, and things like that, you need a radio like that, a battery powered radio with with backed up with batteries that are charged in this thing. Uh, so you can get information because sometimes there's just important information on there you need to know. And it it doesn't happen very often, but that's just it. That's the whole thing about emergency, right? You don't know when it's going to happen right. or if yeah. it ever will, but have one. Um, lights. Lights are really important. Having flashlights. They are. I mean, the worst thing you need is the power goes out and you mm -hmm. can't get through the house without falling and then you're hurt. Yeah. So we have we have these battery backup nightlights that are plugged into the walls if the power goes yep. out they light up and yep, you can actually take them out of the wall and then they're a flashlight yep so yeah and the grandkids you, love just to play light. with them yeah just give you just enough while. light you can get around your house without running yeah. into stuff and hurting yourself yeah. yeah and get to the things you other need so you can get to light your oil lamps and all the things or your candles, right. whatever you're doing yep. yeah so gives you just enough light for that um 
you have in here a battery backup. Uh, that's the uh, that's yeah, for your phone. It's a smaller one that I can carry. Like okay. I don't really carry a purse, but I have a bag that I carry with me. Um, actually, I'm one of those weird people that carries a fanny pack because I can't stand a purse. So it's always with me just so I can charge. Of course, it doesn't help that my phone's really old and it runs out of battery pretty quick. Yeah. But um, so I can charge my bat my phone. Good idea. I think it's a great idea for those uh, fellow uh, book lovers out there. I did put a book in here from the folks I mentioned earlier, the Pro- the Provident Prepper, uh, ProvidentPrepper.org. They wrote a book, and I think it's just a straightforward book. It's a common sense guide to preparing for emergencies by Kylene and Jonathan Jones. And I just think it's it, it if you want to go deeper with this and you want to have lists and like I said, there are websites, just a great resource. Oh, too. yeah, Having there's websites. Book, I'm a book person, so I love books. I always like to have a book in there, right? <laughs> always a book. Um, but yeah, get 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 the book and and visit their website because I think there's some great and there's tons of good websites out mm-hmm. there. But what I like about them is they don't go the I think a lot of the preparedness websites do tilt to the crazy side. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately. They don't. They don't. They're really about just emergency preparedness, common sense preparedness. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that and appreciate that. <laughs> this is, yeah. there's, some, there's some crazy out there. <laughs> there really is, I think. Um, you added a couple other things here. Or you added well, the temperature alarms, which I'm glad you did. Yeah, that. I'm going to add I'm the temperature alarms. And then um, one of the things that's really nice is things get really busy around the homestead. And you're always trying to figure out what is the where is the emergency kit? And um, we actually bought a red backpack that we keep with us in our quote unquote farm truck. And it's just easy to spot because it's red. And that's where the emergency kit is. And it was pretty cheap. I can't remember. It was like nine bucks for a bright red backpack. And then, you know, red emergency. And, um, And I would just do that anywhere in your house. It doesn't have to be the red backpack, but just make sure whatever it is, it just is really obvious that that is what it is. So I I was watching you type this into the notes. I first I seen red backpack before you got for emergency kit. And I went red backpack. No, I don't want the zombies to see where see me when I'm out there walking. I just, I want to be (laughs) camouflaged. It's easy. So what if, you know, if you need it and you need to tell a kid, you're not going to be able to explain to them in lots of words, but you're going to say in the truck is a red backpack. Get the red backpack. Yeah. That's a great idea. Red yeah, bag. Or, if it was just a gym bag. Yeah, or like or in, gym the, bag. in the pantry yeah. is a red bag or, yeah. you know, in, mom bed, in mom's yeah. closet is a red bag. Because I don't know. In our house, we're, we need to do better at this. <laughs> Rachel, I'm just going to fess up as far as keeping the stuff accessibly, you know, just easy to access. Oh, yeah. Same here. Because. We we need a band-aid and we're rubbing it through drawers and cabinets. Where do we put the band-aids? You know, and we're looking yeah. for stuff. And it's like, what in the world? We need to have this stuff in a location, bagged up, even mm-hmm. where you could grab it and run it outside if we had to. I mean, I'm bad about this. And and this is telling me I need to I need to fix that because you're right. That's important. That's really important. Yeah. And I'm I'm hopefully gonna be taking a class whenever this person does a class more on it. But um that's what that person recommended is that you had one basically very accessible. If you're in the field, if, say you have a huge farm and you've got hundreds of acres and you're out in the field in your tractor, you probably should have something in the tractor with you. Um, you know, and I have something for our pets too, uh, because they they can't always use the same things we can. There's a, so. there's a device also that's came out and I just, I don't know why this just came to my mind all of a sudden, but I love this thing because I've seen it in action on some videos but if you've got kids and there's choking hazards, have you seen that 
tool now for like helping people oh. for choking to get food out of your throat or whatever if you uh -uh. can't get it out um it's just you put it over their mouth and it's like a it's almost like a plunger thing action and it oh. sucks it up out of their throat basically wow. and that thing is saving lives like crazy and it's a tool that i think everybody should have in that bag if you have kids especially little kids because it's oh basically it, yes yeah, for like choking it's i amazing. have one child that put everything in her mouth yes and i had to do the heimlich twice on her yeah if but there's sometimes there's been situations yeah. where the heimlich you just it can't get it out and yeah. they'll have to cut a throat or whatever. This thing will suck. I guess it just does like suction and it'll Crazy. pull right, ever right back up out. And it's yeah. been saving some lives. And, and I think they came out a couple of years ago. I mean, we got one probably a year or so ago. And I hope, I mean, I hope we never have to use it. Right. But yeah, boy, but that could be a handy little device I mean, having that in a bag and kids choking, man, pop that out and get it out of them. Um, well, that's what all back. of this is about. Well, I hope yeah. you. Well, first, I wanted to say I hope that you add the backpack battery, like the oh, solar, solar battery. Yeah. yeah. But the second thing I wanted to say about this, what all of this is, all of this isn't us wanting to be doomsday preppers. All of this is because, well, September is preparedness month, national preparedness month. And these are all things that we hope we never have to use. I mean, water yeah. storage and, you know, food storage, but specifically the medical stuff. But it happens. No matter how hard yes. you try, it happens. You may go Somebody 20 years needs, without something happening, yeah. but something probably will happen in your lifetime. Yeah. And it's just, it. it's still going to be stressful, but it's definitely going to be smoother if you have yes. a few things set up and prepared. And it, and it might actually save a life if you... Yes have a kit and can stop somebody from bleeding until the emergency crews can yes. get there. So, yep. and you know, you take this as far as you want to take it, but man, we should all yep. just have a, a minimal level of all of this. You know, you should have at least yeah. a minimal level of all this. And you, like I said, you think about your situation, think about the probabilities, think about what the possibilities are of th things that could happen yeah. and then go a little beyond that because it yeah, because I mean, our earthquakes never going to happen where I am, probably. but yeah. Other places, hurricanes is, not going to affect me, right? Tornado Other places, could. though, that yeah. that happens out. So you have to think specifically to you, and and the same with the medical stuff. You have to think about your own medical situations, your own family's medical situations. Yeah. It's all going to be um, very specific to what your family and your homestead needs. But think about it. That's kind of why yeah. we're having this. Is just think about it. And and there's a lot of things we didn't get into and people were probably like, you didn't think about this. You didn't talk about that. And, and right. you know what, yeah. this, this is bare minimum stuff. We agree. Yeah. This could go yeah. so much deeper and, and probably should, but we just wanted to touch base on these things. Get your mind down that path a little bit. Get you thinking about it. This is the month we should be really kind of focusing on that. You know, winter time, if you live in a place where winter is a reality, like it is for us, I mean, a lot of these things can happen in winter. I mean, we can have power outages. We can yeah. get shut down in our homes because we can't get on the streets. If you get a bad winter, there's a lot of things that can happen. Okay. In the winter time, especially for us. So, you know, I think it's a great time to focus because winter's just around the corner for us, you know, and it's like, be prepared for that, you know, get your cars prepared for that, get the stuff in your cars, you know, have blankets, have things, do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's just for those folks of us to deal with that, but it's just a reality. I mean, wherever you live, there's something, yep. you know, forest fires aren't big here, but you know, like I said, snow is. So it's like, we have to think about those things. Um, there's just things every year that are possibilities and even realities that, that take a little bit of common sense preparedness and 
I, I just think it makes sense to do that. And uh, as homesteaders, I think there is a level of that where we all kind of participate in that as a homesteader. But there's maybe there are some things you weren't thinking about, and uh, this helped you get your mind on it a little bit, and um, helped you a little bit think about it. And and now you want to think I need to do that. Like I'm glad you mentioned these temperature alarms because I think you mentioned these once before, and I didn't really take it serious. But I am thinking about it a little bit more now, and I think it's something I need need to have. So good, good. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, that's that's what we have for you today, folks. You have anything you want to add? I think that is it. I think that's it, too. Well, folks, we appreciate you joining us today. Until next time, happy homesteading. God bless. And grow where you're planted. Looking around, I finally see I think I need a change. The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a modern homestead. Build a modern homestead. A lot of folks don't understand why I want this way they've never eaten from their land like we do here every day snapping beans like grandma did sitting on her front porch hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores it's a mom